We're potting riff tracks. Riff, riff tracks. tracks. Yeah, we're potting riff tracks. We're finally back to this. Uh, me, Jeremy Ellis, and my uh, co-host, Jesse. Um, this is our first that we're doing for Patreon. And uh, we chose a pretty, I'd say good, but are any of these really good? We, we, chose, we chose one, and it was Suburban Sasquatch. You know, it's like puns. It's like the best they are, the worst they are, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And Suburban Sasquatch is definitely on the lower end of things, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of... Uh, the guy that made this, David Miskovich, one of his earlier efforts, actually his earliest effort, was uh, another movie that was riffed uh fungicide and uh i think he got a little more money for suburban sasquatch not much but noticeably more just seeing it let's see we had some locations we had like what looked like a local high school we had those little offices which may have frankly been in the same high school the the officers offices and then the you know the suburban shoots, mm-hmm. which I, I don't even know if half of it can be considered suburban. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. Uh, they're fairly rural. It's a fairly rural Sasquatch. Um, as always, I'm going to uh, look at the uh, trivia page for this. Let's see what it says. The mumbles and growls of the Sasquatch were provided by director David Waskovich himself. Okay. Congratulations. Congratulations. Those were very interesting growls and grunts. Uh, I think at one point they said he sounded like a an Atari or some other ancient gaming system. <laughs> yeah. The movie was filmed at a high school as shown by Called it. as shown by football practice. Happening outside the main character's quote-unquote office. <laughs> I missed that. I, I did miss that detail. See, Neil Hope, who played Wheels and DeGrasse in the Degrassi series, had a brief uncredited role. It was his last role before he succumbed to diabetes and alcoholism. That's actually kind of sad. Yeah, that is. See, budget constraints forced the director to shoot the entire film in daylight, and shooting at night would have been more expensive. Although he could have done what a lot of Rift Tracks movies do, day for night. Mm-hmm. Blue tint on the camera, that's all you need. I think they attempted that when they're in the Sasquatch cave. Yeah. So I think they did do some day for night uh, aesthetics there. And in a 2017 interview, director David Weskovich revealed that at its heart, Suburban Sasquatch is a film about family. And that's what's so powerful about it. (laughs) Did he just watch a Fast and Furious movie? It's about family, man. 
Now, you know how box art is different than actual movie? Okay, well, the box art for this, I need to show it to you, and for the listeners, I will put this up as the frontispiece. Um, I will, yeah, that thing looks dope as hell. For the listeners, I've just pulled up the image of the uh, much more interesting uh, suburban Sasquatch image that shows a really haunting, kind of frightening Sasquatch. And then just looking at side by side with the actual Sasquatch in the movie, it's night and day. Yeah, the, the best way I can describe the Sasquatch on the cover is... There's a little bit of Killer Croc from the animated series going on. Mm-hmm. Like the gaunt cheeks, the teeth, the beady eyes. Has but, like the scarecrow's lower jaw, you yeah. know, with those pointed teeth. It looks like uh, uh, the cover arc, the, the, the style, the color contrast looks like something that uh, uh, Dave McKean might have pulled out from... Uh, Arkham Asylum, a serious house on a serious earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie is insane. They, they, you know, there's, there's of course the Bigfoot myth, the Sasquatch myth. Um, but they pull so many things out of their ass with this movie, like, it can hypnotize you, it can teleport, it can read your mind. I think it was just whatever power was necessary for the scene, they gave it to him. And, you know, obviously Sasquatch is a bigger creature, but, you know, he tears people apart like a, like a meringue, I believe. Mm-hmm. Where the human, humans have the texture of a meringue, just crunch it off and... It, it looks like it looks like one of the early Mortal Kombat fatalities. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I do. Mortal then, Kombat uh... three, like that era. But and you know, you know, he rips an arm off, and they'll show the person they have both fucking arms. Uh-huh. Oh, that was great. Just... How considerate of Sasquatch <laughs> to uh, reattach his arm, and then it's like, oh no, or her arm, I should say. And it's like, oh no, he's eating it. Well, it, it was the thought that mattered. One of the lines that gets to me, and it's, of course, it's a toilet-based line, which they always get me, is when the hunter, he wakes up from being, from having a leg thrown at him, and it knocks him out into the uh, creek. Into the... Yeah. And he wakes up and he's wandering around and he finds the mom in the cave that I guess the Sasquatch is saving for later. And one of the uh deputies finds him in the bath in like a, a men's room, like huddled on the floor and like trembling in fear. And <laughs> of course it's Kevin. Uh, very raunchy Kevin, who says, it, he says, 
Here I sit, broken-hearted, trying to shed only farting. And he's, the way he says it is like the, you know, good night, sweet prince, and they fly to the angels and he's in the rest. This is the true tragedy of the Batman stall <laughs> riding on the wall. But the, yeah, there's one of the lines I love is uh, uh, when the guy, when the deputy's on the phone, he's listening, and he says, "Yes, yes, yeah, my epaulets are uh, just duct tape." although I'm being a bit inconsiderate to the listeners um, I should tell them what it's about Uh, when a giant bloodthirsty anthropoid goes on a killing spree in a sprawling suburban park area it's up to a couple of rangers a reporter and a mystical Native American warrior to try to stop it now, the mystic Native American warrior, I don't know if she was actually a Native American actor, probably not, but uh, the thing that stuck out to me is her, her elder in the tribe, and he has poorly dyed white hair. And his face is very plump and a bit craggy. So all I could think of while looking at him was if Paul Servino put shampoo in his hair and didn't wash it out. And any reminder of the late, great Paul Servino is welcome to me, because that just reminds me of Repo the Genetic Opera, which is, I am a simp for that movie. So for me, um, just when watching this uh, uh, Native woman, um, I I was just thinking, this is the worst version of Prey. (laughs) 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 I mean, basically... She's the only one actively hunting the Sasquatch. Everyone else is more on edge. They're trying to uncover the mystery. We've got the lead character who's just trying to earn his Pulitzer and report on Sasquatch. We've got the the big old hams of cops uh, yeah. just trying to uncover what's going on. She's the only one actively hunting uh, this mysterious, teleporting, vanishing creature. And again... Just just watch Prey. If if you were if you're looking for a recommendation yeah. outside of this that's actually actually halfway decent, watch Prey. Yeah. I can just imagine what the woman from, from Suburban Sasquatch would say, if it bleeds CGI, we can kill it. <laughs> <laughs> and when it when it bleeds, like when they actually heard it. The the blood that comes out is of course CGI. It's like Mortal Kombat blood, mm-hmm. but it sounds like an old modem, like starting up to get on the internet. Like, like it's it's the weirdest noise, 
And this is a movie full of weird noises. I had joked that this is, you know, uh, with with my partner, I joked that, you know, a lot of the sounds sounded like they came from a MIDI back in the yeah. day. And um, I, judging by the time of its release, I think that may be the case as it's 2004. And again, almost yeah. everything sounds like some computerized video game sound effect um that you know or even the very crisp ringtones of the age uh if you were around in 2000 and you didn't hear backstreet boy on a nokia you're you're missing out yeah and there's the fact that uh mike even says it takes a lot to get the sound of fire wrong Uh, the sound effects are something here. They're, they're definitely something to be admired or looked on as a curiosity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird thing is the reporter looks a lot like a friend of mine who's a local comedian. Nico? Not too familiar with him. Yeah, he's he's a local comedian, and uh, he he just looks a lot like the a lot like the he the hero. I want the throwing. I'm bandying about the word hero a lot. The the <laughs> guy that stands next to the character who does the most damage in the Sasquatch. The protagonist. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, protagonist, you know. That's that's probably the most dignified we can give him. And then, let's see, I I don't think I I had too much to say about the protagonist. As You know, I think the most interesting part of this movie is by far the native woman and Sasquatch himself. Mm -hmm. Anytime Sasquatch appears, it's a delight. And, you know... um, when this movie came out, um, uh, you know, they had a little uh, Patreon, I believe, where they showed showcased what they were watching. And my partner and I jumped on it. And then I sent them as a little Valentine's Day uh, image, uh, an image of the suburban Sasquatch, but with its its uh, teats censored with the Rift Tracks logo. Yeah, that that's the elephant in the room, really. Is <laughs> the Sasquatch's boobs just? And it, it's not like pecs. It's not, you know, like a primate's powerfully developed chest. These are full-on breasts. <laughs> like they just didn't know when to stop with when they were building the costume. No, they did not. Well, as it Bill says in his bold voice, behold my wretched teats. (laughs) One of the lines that gets me is it's near the opening when the one of the officers gets a phone call while he's in bed and he wakes up and is like rubbing his eyes and he goes, Oh, God, that's right. I agree to be in my friend's crappy movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the line that got me in, in regards to that is, 
Um, these guys look like some weird kids playing in the in their backyard, which may not be far off. Yeah. Hey, we're doing all right for ourselves. We've got four broken printers. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they just point shit out like that. Like the fact that I think it's San Francisco that uh, Joe Estevez just has a bunch of oat, instant oatmeal packets on his desk. It's like, wh- why? Like, what? These... My, my favorite of all time has to be um, from one of their more high budget uh, commentaries uh, for Casino Royale when uh, Daniel Craig's James Bond is entering his hotel room, um, just looking around the area, surveying it. And Mike quietly says, Ah, good. My two pineapples are still here. <laughs> The shit they focus on is great. So, yeah, and then just, uh, I was was almost surprised that I I didn't catch a reference to the football players playing in the background, but, you know, that didn't stop them from saying, you know, the hard-boiled high school band teachers, uh, and the the fields they were at seemed very well-maintained, so I'm assuming they were just, like, in the back area of the school whenever... Uh, suburban Sasquatches on the hunt. Mm-hmm. There's a line in this that the Native American warrior, she says, uh, take this herb, it's very strong. And their riff is, now, are you a, are you an indica guy or a sativa guy? But they pronounce it sediva. And it's, like, I'm sure that, you know, Mike, Kevin, and Bill, and even Connor and Sean, like, the writers, aren't big stoners. But, like, Sediva, Sativa, it's a long line of uh, words that are just mispronounced in Rift Tracks and MST, like, how they say Quentin Tarantino instead of Tarantino. And something that people on the message boards talk about is uh, prequel. Mike's weird uh, pronunciation of prequel. Yes. Which, I, I don't know if it's a Midwestern thing, I'm guessing it is just because all of them have spent so much time there. They've picked it up. Uh, uh, Like I'm always amused whenever they do their exaggerated Midwestern voice, but you know, even yeah, when they do that, you know, they, they do revert and you do hear some much more milder. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't go hard as they, as hard as they do when they're really putting it on thick. uh, But, um, they, 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 it's clear that some of their pronunciations are Midwestern, and I don't know, they have a certain charm to it. I love hearing Bridget and Mary Jo because they are so Midwestern 
you know, they'll, they'll do their specials and be like, oh, preach it, oh, Mary Jo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so enchanting. Yeah. That, that one is great. But with Suburban Sasquatch, this is one of those movies like, and we're going to get to these movies eventually, but um, Fungicide, uh, God, I'm blanking on some of them, but like the, the Bond, uh, Lichen Colony, the stuff where it's just zero budget theaters and theaters too, the stuff where it looks like a home movie. Like a lot of the a lot of the really bad ones look like home movies. Uh, things looks like a snuff film. I don't <laughs> don't know how to explain that any further. But uh, yeah, the the ones that you look at them and you're like, you, you just look at the picture quality and you're like, oh god, this was shot on like. VHS or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of this would not look out of place in America's uh, funniest home videos. And it, it, um, if I could describe it in, in all honesty without, like, you know, bashing it for the sake of bashing it, it looks like some of that, those early YouTube, that early YouTube content yes. where, you know, they were, they were using pretty mid to high range cameras at the time, mm-hmm. for the time, I should say. Um, and you know, um, they're they're definitely trying to put their best foot forward, but it has not aged well in the age of HD video. It's not as bad as as it, it's it's not really terrible, but um, it's very dated, is what I should say. Yeah, like you look at some of the, I guess before it was Channel Awesome. Like when it was that guy with the glasses, some of Doug Walker's videos, and they are they're eyesores really. And there's a one online called uh, it's not a Doug Walker thing; it's something different, and uh, it's called it's a parody sketch about Queer Eye, and it's called uh, Ultimate Eye for the Vertigo Guy, and it's. It's like Mark Miller and Grant Morrison doing a makeover on John Constantine. <laughs> and like it's funny enough, but it it looks so again, it's it's an eyesore to kind of watch stuff like that. And of course that was back when YouTube was like ten minutes, like you could only do mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And part you, one, part two. Yeah, yeah, like with movies on YouTube, it would be like sectioned into nine parts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, those movies are such a delight for me when I watch Riff Tracks. Let's see. For me, I think the elephant in the room is not only Sasquatch's teeth, but all the quote-unquote violence, gore, and I don't know, for me, I was looking forward to each new attack, uh, just because of 
how how out there it is and it's simultaneously overplayed and underdone at the same time mm-hmm. it, it really is because the first thing we see when we are introduced to sasquatch is that uh when he attacks he just rips out a man's guts that look like these orangish tissue paper yeah and then feeds it right back to him and just ripping off limbs that look straight from a Halloween store. Not the good ones, mind you. The ones that are in the $5 bin. Mm-hmm. And the actors who are, are simultaneously just shouting, ah, in a half-convincing way. But they're, it seems like they're giving it some of their, some of their all in, in all the wrong departments. And I just love... I'm here for each of those attacks. Yeah, it it reminds me of the way that the violence is kind of set up and overdone, underdone at the same time. It reminds me of a movie that I actually love. It's a Hong Kong movie called uh, Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. It's based on a manga and it is insanely violent but it's violent in a way of like oh i'm gonna punch your head off and then it cuts to him punching like a wax dummy filled with you know organ meat and punching that head off it's it's that kind of stuff where it's like you're you're really trying to sell this but it's still a wax dummy filled with organ meat. Like, it's, it's like, it's like what they said in the live show when they described Shake Hands of Danger. There's a lot of violence in this, but it's so cartoony, there's no way you could be bothered by it. Mm-hmm. My favorite, yeah. yeah. My favorite it. part is when, um, they get the dog, you know, uh, that he's calling, they're, they're calling out for the dog, and Kevin just says, Muffy from PBS's Arthur? <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> and then the dog goes up to Sasquatch. It's a real dog. It's clearly a real dog. And it's picked up by Sasquatch. And then in the next shot, you see is a very visible plushie being held together by Velcro with some pre dyed blood in the center. Yeah. And then Sasquatch just savagely rips it up. Well, as savagely as you can rip apart Velcro, yeah. uh, rips it apart in front of the distraught owner's eyes. And uh, yeah, that, that, that was just my favorite transition. Um, it just reminds me of some of the hokier effects from like, let's say, you know, uh, some of the black exploitation movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, that, that's what I thought of. And, uh, you know, this is the only movie that I've known that has killed the dog, and I have just been absolutely <laughs> in stitches. Probably, probably as much as that dog it was in stitches. But uh, you know, th- you know, that's that's one of the sacred rules. You don't kill the dog, and if you do, it's for great dramatic effect. And in this one, yeah, they, I think they had that intention, but it did not come off with any sort of gravitas. Yeah, the special effects, it's not exactly Tom Savini with the gore. (laughs) One of the things, 
it's such an unpleasant part about the movie, but when the two, I'm guessing they're supposed to be like the 2000 version of yuppies, and they're just chowing down on the hot dogs and oh no it's it's gross like i belched just thinking about it like it's like it's like tim and eric how disgusting they are with food how they'll just Mm -hmm. like put a hot dog in their mouth and just and, and like lick their fingers and like they, they they get so disgusting with food, Tim and Eric. And it reminded me of that. Like, stop making those noises while you eat. It's awful. I really felt those moments were ones where, you know, these, these are the moments that uh, would deeply upset anyone with any sort of sensory uh, disdain for munching, you know. The, you know, people have that irk where, you know, someone chews gum too loudly mm-hmm. and then this person's chewing with their mouth open, just making for a visually uncomfortable experience and it's supposed to show like some, I, I, I'm guessing it's supposed to show some savagery between man and Sasquatch. And Sasquatch is also enjoying a, a feast of, of human remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, did, did we have to see the hot dog? We, we can see practically every bit of the chewing process as uh, as this woman just munches down on the hot dog and the Rift Tracks crew is also in similar agony with the every audible slosh and splish of food just churning in that mouth. It's like that one it's like the one riff short about the choking hazard, how it actually shows an x-ray of like the food being mashed up and going down your throat. That is less disgusting than this scene. Mm-hmm. That, that is clearly one of the more disconcerting moments. Uh... And I like... I think the thing is, oh, oh my, my phone's dead. My phone doesn't have any service. And people have joked that my phone is dead is the... Uh, that's the new, uh, that's the new, the power's out for, for horror movies. Because mm. it used to be, you know, oh, you, let's go to the phone and call someone. The power's out, the phone's cut. But now it's like, ah, oh, I'm out of juice. Like, you need to kind of update your menaces to the times. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. <laughs> Let's see. I'm just looking at my notes here in terms of uh, just following that scene when uh, she's just munching away on that hot dog. And I don't know if you remember from uh, Rift Tracks, the five doctors, or just the five doctors in general. Mm-hmm. But um, do you remember when that uh, that woman in the pink dress, um, Elizabeth Sladen, uh, um, Sarah Jane Smith, just tumbles down that hill? Yes. That, yes. You the know, that very, very steep incline of a hill mm-hmm. that looks like it's just, I don't know, like three feet. 
And the um, doctor has to get a rope to bring her To pull out. her out of this three-foot ditch. And she's acting her heart out. She's acting as if this is as steep as imaginable. This is like some deep, unyielding chasm. Like it's and like it's Bane's hell pit from Dark Knight Rises. And yeah. full kudos to Elizabeth Slade, and she is acting her heart out. She is making it as convincing, but the visuals just don't line up. And I got that vibe from that woman who, uh, you know, is just chowing down a hot dog when she's being tossed around by Sasquatch. She's just rolling down as if it is Bane's hell pits. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I'd like to thank uh, the Rift Tracks Batman and Robin serial for coming up with that phrase, Bane's hell pit. <laughs> because you remember, Batman is climbing out. We're getting a little off topic, but Batman is climbing up the side of the hill to say <laughs> Robin. And one of them just goes, she says it took him longer to get out of Bane's hell pit than this. <laughs> we knew it. We, we, me and my partner really need to rewatch the Batman series. Oh, I, I rewatched it recently. It, it's such a treat. It is. Um, who is it? Their their favorite henchman? Gabe. 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 Yeah. Good old Gabe. The yeah. most fierce and formidable of Batman villains. Their proposed Zack Snyder movie, uh, Dawn of Gabe. <laughs> I think Gabe gets a name check in the uh, Batman v Superman uh, um, riff. Yeah. I'll need to double check that. It's it seems like we're striving for stuff to talk about in the movie, and that's because there's a lot of nothing. It's one of those movies where a lot happens, but nothing really happens. Nothing you know, but sound and fury signifying nothing. Sound and fury. It's, it really is just like Sasquatch rips people apart. Uh, Native American lady goes after him. Uh, journalist goes after her. Uh, the one thing I like is the guy gets his militia together and, you know, all of them are wearing, like, stupid clothing and one guy, I don't know if it's a wig, but he looks like Harpo. <laughs> so it, you, there's just a scene of Harpo getting his head ripped off. Yeah, that militia, um, they had some really good riffs on that. Where they were talking about, oh, the uh, chubby guy in uh, America in America uh, hats. Uh, I'm sure nothing bad will happen to him. <laughs> they called him the. They said, "Oh well, this is what Joe Rogan podcast must look like." They said, "Ah, yes, violent hillbillies in the suburbs." <laughs> and just all of this seems so out of place. Um, I I struggle to really guess why this is called. Suburban Sasquatch. Again, he's he's a rural Sasquatch. I think uh, it's just, semi-rural. I think it's just the alliterative uh, nature of the title. Like, what what would you call this? Like, it, it, you you could call it like 
Sasquatch comes to town or some crap like that. But that that'd be stupid, but it'd be it'd make more sense than sus, suburban Sasquatch. And, you know, I, I think there, it, it feels like the most suburban it feels is like those houses at the end of the block that around that undeveloped area where it's completely just full of green and stuff, you know, that, that that's probably the most suburban. And, you know, those, those aren't too common. They're there, but they're not too common in the suburb. When, when I, when I said Sasquatch comes to town, that my immediate train of thought was Sasquatch in the hood. Like if, <laughs> oh, if no. this had, no, if this had been popular in the nineties, they would have made Sasquatch in the hood, and he would have had to fight the digital underground. Like he would have had to fight Shock G and. You know, Bobby Digital and all these other guys. It would have just been... tell me. Just tell me that Sasquatch would not rap. Oh, Sasquatch would rap. Damn it. <laughs> That's he'd all rap. I have to say. He'd Damn rap. it. He'd rap, and if Snoop Dogg was in it, he'd get high. Now, that part I don't object to. That part I'm, I'm pretty, pretty open to. Okay, do you think Sasquatch is an indica guy or a sativa guy? I'm not too sure. What what do you think? Um, I would say... uh, uh, Indica. Because, you know, he's had a long day of just... uh, He's had a long day of just tearing people apart and not really eating them and like teleporting from here to there. He just wants to go back to his cave, get some Funyuns and watch Robot Chicken. Now, I I would say, you know, that that's how, you know, I'd probably feel after a long day, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's on either of those. I think he's on the hard stuff that the guy behind 7-Eleven's on. <laughs> he, he, that's that's what he's on. I mean, he's just ripping people left and right. He's not even thinking straight. He's he, he, robot chicken and munchies are not really on his mind. He's just like, <laughs> give, give me that good stuff. Uh, anyway, so he, he's on hard stuff. I'm just look at his teeth. Yeah. Look at his hygiene. <laughs> he, he is not. He is not on anything that would relax. He is not on any depressant. He's on pure stimulants. Yeah. I am the one who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to be that pure for his rage. Mm. So I noticed that there is, that they, it seems like they're trying to do a bit of a backstory with everyone having some history with Sasquatch. And my favorite are just the absolute blank meat slabs of cops. Uh, just, Yeah, one of them remembers that his wife was taken away by Sasquatch, and just this, and just such a weird flashback. Um, he just punches him like a ham, and that's the sound effect you use anytime Sasquatch hits anyone. It's just punching a ham. The ham. It reminds me of 
in uh, the old, I think it's Cave Dwellers. It reminds me of uh, Joel teaching the bots the Foley artist, artistry. <laughs> like when he gets the two stakes and slaps them together and mm-hmm. it sounds like a punch. That's that's exactly what Sasquatch is uh, doing with his punches. Let's see. I'm, I'm just looking at some of my other notes to actually draw this conversation to the movie. Um, I like the talk when babies fight. That That's what was in that flashback where, you know, we see this bald-headed guy just kind of almost slap-fighting <laughs> Sasquatch. Yeah. And then uh, I also love that... Uh, in, in true suburban fashion, I, I have to give credit. Um, the mom just trying to shoo Sasquatch away with yeah. the broom, yeah, very half-heartedly. It's like it reminds yeah. me of that story of it, Samantha B talked about it in her book, but when she was camping, and this is Canadian territory because she's from Canada, um, a, a bear got near them and her mom stood up to the bear and just as Samantha B puts it, she lobbed a bunch of uh, G rated curse words at her. It's like, now listen, you, you big fella, you big dummy, you, you know, you're going to go to H E double hockey sticks. If you think you're going to mess with my family, so why don't you skedaddle with the paddle? You know, why don't you go now? And Samantha B said, I think the bear was just so confused it walked off. <laughs> Gosh darn it, of course it would be confused. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that, that was probably the most suburban thing in this entire movie, just seeing that mom try and fend off. Sasquatch. (laughs) Let's see. I also have some notes on just the... uh, One of the best effects in this movie has to come from Sasquatch taking on the police car. Mm -hmm. If you remember that sequence where uh, Sasquatch goes up to it. And at first I'm thinking he's doing an Adam Sandler and Eight Crazy Nights thing uh, with the car. But no, he's lifting it. And then it compresses this image, this almost Getty's images type photo yeah. manipulation where, you know, they, it just squashes like an accordion as he lifts it up and then it just goes back to being full size. Uh, it is something that, again, would probably be cutting edge for early YouTube days, but... I love how... They, they, oh, go, go ahead. They offer it with such sincerity, I think. Mm. I love the line when they're in their car and he's, like, growling and he goes... Why the hell aren't you running me over? You're in a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was a great sequence. And honestly, where, where this movie stands uh, stands out is just all the Sasquatch attacks. They're so bizarre. They mm-hmm. feel like... Again, it's hard to pinpoint whether the director knew what was how, how this was coming off. Because there's so much... So much humor to be derived from each of these attacks and um i i feel like it's meant to be a little visceral but you know or definitely meant to be visceral so i don't know if it's meant to be disturbing or it's just kind of playing off the excesses of 
you know, horror and like pop culture at the time and the age of Grand Theft Auto really getting the getting to the scene and yeah. 90s comic books having left their impact. So I, I don't, I, I, it's hard to get a feel on where, where this lands in, in terms of directorial intent. Yeah, and there's the whole thing of like, you made a bad movie, but did you mean to make a bad movie or were you trying to make a good movie? And sometimes that can make or break a riff. Like, if a movie is just bad, like it's just, we didn't give a shit, there's not really that much, there's not really that many places you can go with a riff. Like, I, I like, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on Sharknado. I love Sharknado 2, their riff of it, because it's just so bonkers. And you have so many people in the cast who have been time, who have been me too'd. Um, but my brother, he said, like, those... Those don't do anything for me, because it's like, hey, guess what? We suck. Yeah, I know. You know, you don't have to tell me for an hour and a half. But, okay. you know, the, the there is a part of, like, you, you can make your movie, you can make your movie bad, but you didn't mean to make it bad. Making it fun is okay. Making it a fun movie is okay. If you're trying to make it purposefully bad, then it just crumbles apart. Like, it, but if you make a movie just, hey, let's, let's just have fun with this. Let's just, you know, tear apart some dummies. Let's just, you know, I can wear a cool robe. Like... Those movies are better for riffing than, you know, hey, hey aren't, don't we suck? Like, those types of movies. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of those let's just have fun movies. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like they're, they're having a good time, you know, it, you know in spite of the half-hearted acting. It does seem like it is a good, good time. And, you know, Again, it's hard to pinpoint whether it's meant to be good, whether it's meant to be bad, but it's definitely meant to be fun. Mm -hmm. on, on that note of just your speech there, I was just thinking of, um, it's it's almost the difference between Birdemic uh, 1 and 2, where yeah. Birdemic 1 yeah. was a clear passion project, an homage to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, an environmental message that clearly resonated with James Wen. Uh, you know, very much of the time and Inconvenient Truth, a movie we just saw. And even as clunky as that dialogue is, it's clear that, you know, there's there's a message here that's meant to evoke environmentalism, that's meant to evoke uh, James Wen's favorites. And then we get to Birdemic 2, where they're just flailing around hangers and, you know, just repeating beats from the first one and just mm -hmm. doesn't have much of the same charm. Uh, because again, there is that passion, and then just drawing from another bad movie, uh, the behind the scenes or the documentary on Troll Two, mm -hmm. I love that everyone had a purpose that behind it. They they at no point did these purposes intersect, but you know they they yeah. brought a movie that's to talk about oh how 
conceited vegans are or something like that. And, you know, they feel very strongly. These are people who do feel very passionately about what they're making. And it doesn't all congeal, but it all makes for an entertaining experience. So there's clearly passion there. And I, I think Superban Sasquatch in some ways has that passion just because, you know, they're just people in their backyard having a fun time, it, it, at least according to the riffs. And it feels mm-hmm. like that, you know, more power to them. Yeah. The, the documentary you're talking about, uh, for our listeners, it's called Best Worst Movie. It's about the making of Troll 2. I just wanted to give that a shout out to our listeners. It's a it's an interesting documentary. Um, it it not only does it show what a bad movie can do to a group of people, but what a bad movie can do, what the resurgence of a bad movie can do to the people involved. And I think that's that's really where it's is most interesting because there's in that movie there's a bit of like you know some people are gung-ho to be in the documentary other people are like get off my lawn now like don't don't even show my face um and the main guy the place the dad the dad that says you don't piss on hospitality um he, in the movie, it's like he thinks he's going to be like the next Tommy Wiseau. Like, I'm going to get laughed at, but I'm going to make some serious money out of it. And he seems almost bitter that he doesn't, which is interesting. But that's off the point of Suburban Sasquatch. Um, but yeah, the... Again, like when you're having a fun, when you're having a fun time, it permeates. Like you can tell when movies were fun to make. Like when if, if you just watch them, and this this seemed like a day out, a few days out for just a bunch of friends, so. You know, more power to them if it means. It, and if it means a good riff, even more power to them. Mm-hmm. Also, it's funny I should mention Birdemic because we have a lovely attack on Sasquatch from a series of birds that mm-hmm. probably look a little more convincing than James Wentz in yeah. 2004. So that, that's a fun little callback. And again, the, these people are... Really, just having fun. They're, they're, I don't think they're meant to impress anyone. I, I mean it in the best possible way. When this feels like early YouTube, these aren't people who are masters of yeah. their craft. They're not trying to produce yeah. a citizen cane. They're just out for a fun weekend, um, fishing in the creek, getting beat up by Sasquatch, um, going to some cave, having some beers. Probably, <laughs> definitely that group that was. Uh, <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast group is I'll now forever refer to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just um again, there's a sincerity there. It may not have been sincere in that they're trying to create high drama, but it's sincere in that, you know, they're just having fun. Yeah. Uh it kind of reminds me of some of the feature length movies that 
uh, Channel Awesome made, like Doug Walker, like Knights of Badass, was it Knights of Badassdom, or, it, it was S Suburban Knights, I think it was called. I think Suburban Knights sounds right. Suburban Knights, Kickassia, and to boldly flee. Now, when you read about the making of these, you'll realize, oh, these weren't fun to make. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can look up Doug Walker and some of the controversies, but uh, it feels it feels like they should have been fun to make. Like to just dicking around with your friends and coworkers. And I feel that was a central idea, and you really do feel that in those early Channel Awesome crossovers where they're not so much, uh, they don't have a set schedule, or they don't have all these, all the nonsense that Channel Awesome got wrapped up in. Um, yeah. Again, you can read up more on those controversies if you so choose. But, you know, again, like the one-on-one -on -one crossovers on Channel Awesome seem very, very natural, I, I think. They seem like they're very much just having a fun time. Um, whether it's like, you know, Phelis and uh, Linkara just watching, uh, uh, what was it, the Air Zone Solution or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just going over, you know, just, just enjoying things together, you know, the, in the more intimate setting. And that's where, that's where I feel this, this movie comes from. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't have any of that channel awesome nonsense attached to it because these mm -hmm. people look like they're generally having a fun time. It's interesting that we got onto Channel Awesome because there's a an eye riff, like a riff done by done by fans, and it's from Channel Awesome, and it's David Lynch's Dune, and it's done by Spoonie and Lindsay Ellis, and they they're drunk for most of it, like they're. They're Spoonie and Lindsay Ellis, what do you expect? But, uh, it, it, there are some, like, really good ones, really good jokes. Like, the thumpers, like, do, do, do. It's like, these were made by, uh, these were made by, uh, uh, Getty of House Prime. And they say, oh, it looks like it was made by Lady of House Gaga. And when they're thump, <laughs> when they're thumping, it's just do 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 ra ra ah ah Roma. <laughs> and it's, there's just some good stuff, but yeah, this this seems like a fun thing, a genu a genuinely fun thing that a bunch of people did, and you know, I it's it goes back to the whole thing of like. 99% of people who get riffed on whatever the riffer, whatever the riffing is, film the crew, cinematic Titanic, riff tracks, Mads are back, movie Joe, uh, MST, whatever you're being riffed on, usually people love it. Like, there, there's always people who are like, Oh, God, you're doing that movie that I did? Oh, let me tell you, when we were making it, and they have a fun story. And this is this kind of seems like 
this seems like the movie that would help people bond. Like, it would, it, it's just a dumb movie. It's most certainly that. <laughs> and I just wanted to give a call out, uh, a shout out to one of the, uh, one of the most inspired shots in the movie that I, I don't think was intentional. Um, it's something very small, but something I noticed that the Rippers didn't really bring up was, um, there's this part where Sasquatch is fleeing and it seems like, you know, a fake night shot and he's going into the trees. This is before he teleports and all that. And it looks like that classic Bigfoot image, yeah, you know, the, the one that really started. blurry photograph, you know, it looks yeah. like it's taken from a 2004 camcorder, but it does look like that classic image. And mm -hmm. I, I like that you do find moments like these in, in the movies that are more than just fun, more than just people having a good time or having a bad, a silly story to tell. Um, but there, there are hints of genuine artistry here. Um, and again, I don't think this was intentional on the director. I don't think this was intentional on um, on anyone. But it's it's a nice shot that I thought really stood out. Um, and it really shows that you know when people come to make the movies, they can they can generally find some unexpected gems there. Yeah, you know, there's always people. There's always the idea of, like, you'll stumble upon an artsy shot. Like, something will be shot through, like, uh, through something. Like, so it's like a... So it's almost like an iris. Like, uh, if you hold up, like, uh, like a yen piece with the... Uh, middle taken out and like you film mm -hmm. through the middle of the end piece like that's a that's a neat little uh kind of artsy shot no and a lot of the times in the rift movies they will have accidental artsy shots like i remember mm -hmm. in manos um there's a scene where they're talking about like, I want to get out of here, Mike. You know, I want to, I want to leave. And he says like, okay, don't worry, we'll be together. And it zooms in on their wedding ring, and I'm like, that's something that I wouldn't have expected from this movie. Like, an artsy, you know, fairly artsy shot like that. But. You know, everyone has their their flair. I, I feel it's more broken clock when we consider broken clock logic. Broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. Uh, you know, when we consider some of the other shots in Suburban Sasquatch with, like, let's say, the totally convincing uh, scope that they're hunting Sasquatch through, oh, yeah. as the riffers call it. So, yeah, I, I feel it's more a broken clock moment, but... You know, enough. it's right, and it is right this time when you do see that Sasquatch shot. So, you know, it's it's always neat to see those, you know, and it's always neat to catch on something that, you know, maybe, especially in Rift Tracks, the riffers don't really touch upon. Mm -hmm. 
So is there anything else you would like to add about Suburban Sasquatch? Yeah, that's sports bra. Yeah, <laughs> sports bra. Uh, <laughs> so that is it for this episode of Potting Rift Tracks for Suburban Sasquatch. Uh, we will be back, but in the meantime, we'll be hanging out. Hanging out. Hanging out. Hanging out. Hanging out with the family. family. Got some attractive cousins.